Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Whatever is recorded in the Bible, whether in the Old Testament or the New Testament, is related to Christ. Nothing makes this more clear than the genealogy of Christ recorded in the first chapter of the New Testament. Ed Marks is with us as we come to one of the really classic messages in this life study of Matthew. Ed, we say this a lot, but we really have a treat in store for our listeners today, don't we? Well, Chris, this entire life study is marvelous, and especially the first 17 verses on the genealogy of Christ. As readers, we tend to read through this quickly to get through the names. But what we will see again in this broadcast is how significant this genealogy is pertaining to our experience of this marvelous Christ whom we love. Well, Ed, as you've said, these first 17 verses of Matthew are verses that many people probably skip or at least skim over or read quickly. But it's no mistake that the New Testament begins with this genealogy. One of the things we're discovering as we get into this record is how this section connects the Old Testament with the New. Right, Chris, and this is very meaningful. All the uh, proper theologians and Bible students through the centuries recognize that the Old Testament provides us with a marvelous portrait of Christ in types and prophecies. And actually, what you have here in this genealogy is an abstract of the entire Old Testament, which leads us into the New Testament reality of Christ. So this is very meaningful. And Chris, just to mention, you know, in Luke 24, when the Lord appeared to the disciples in resurrection, He said, all the things written in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms concerning me must be fulfilled. This is Luke 24, 44. This tells us that the entire Old Testament is a revelation of Christ and that he's the center and content of the Old Testament. And this genealogy is an abstract of the entire Old Testament, which links us to the reality of Christ in the New Testament. Well, Ed, let's look at just a couple of the verses in Matthew today before we join Witness Lee. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers, and Judah begot Perez and Zerah of Tamar. Who was Tamar, Ed? That's what we're going to find out in this first section. Let's join Witness Lee. We can see from the genealogy of Christ that his generation includes all kinds of people. Low, high, good, bad, all kinds. The fathers, the kings, the civilians, the captured ones, the recovered ones, even all kinds of 
women who are not so good. From all these persons, you can see some principles that govern our association with Christ. Here in the genealogy of Christ, you have four females. The number one is Tamar. She conceived by incest with her father-in-law. Ethically speaking, it is awful. Yet, she was righteous. The fault was not on her side. The fault was on his side. And he admitted that she was more righteous than he. Tamar was the wife of the first son of Judah. As the first son, that son should inherit the birthright. Then that first son with his wife Tamar may bring forth the first boy to inherit the birthright. But her husband was sinful in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord took him away. Tamar would not give up. Tamar did the best to get the birthright. Today, for you to get Christ, you shouldn't care anyway. You shouldn't care any place. As long as you could get Christ, hallelujah. You have to get Christ. Don't keep the rules, the regulations. You have to get Christ. As long as you could get the first born position. The birthright that is Christ, by any way, by all means, if you get it, that is okay. Well, Ed, let's talk about the story of Tamar. She's the first female mentioned in the Lord's genealogy. And her story is not one that you would automatically assume you would want to bring up in the Bible, is it? No, it's not, Chris. If you look at the story of Tamar in the Old Testament, you would wonder why is she mentioned here in Christ's genealogy. Well, there's a marvelous spiritual principle that we need to pick up here that shows how we, like Tamar, can be related to Christ, how we can be joined to Christ, and how we can experience Christ and bring forth Christ out of our being so that he can be ministered to others. Well, what we see with Tamar is she needed a son to inherit the birthright in the Old Testament. And the birthright in the Old Testament, if you look through the entire Old Testament, is to receive the birthright means you got a double portion of the good land, you receive the priesthood, and you also receive the kingship. Well, Chris, all of these things are Christ. In the New Testament, we need to enjoy Christ as our inheritance. We need to enjoy Christ as the high priest so that we can function as priests. We need to enjoy Christ as the King of Kings, so that we can also reign in life with him. Well, she needed a son to receive the birthright, and what happened was Judah's son, who married Tamar, he died. Then she was married to the next of Judah's sons. He also died. Actually, they were both evil in the sight of the Lord. And so, Judah's next son should have married Tamar so that her son could be in his position to inherit the birthright. Well, Judah forgot about this. And what happened was, it's a very terrible story, actually. Tamar disguised herself as a harlot. 
And Judah saw her on the road. He had incestuous relations with her. And two sons came out of those that incestuous relation. What well, seems terrible, but Tamar and her sons are mentioned in Christ's genealogy. What does this mean for us today? If we care for Christ, and again, Christ is the reality of the birthright. If we care for Christ and we're seeking him, we need to be desperate to gain him any way we can. Just the way Tamar was so desperate for the birthright, even the Old Testament, Judah admitted that she was righteous in this matter. He wasn't. He was the one at fault. So any way we can truly gain Christ is the right way to gain him. And Chris, I would just like to give us a simple illustration of this. If we receive the Lord and our parents are unbelievers, they may be against our going to meet with other Christians. They may be against our being baptized. And we do need to honor our parents, but we need to honor the Lord even above our parents. So even though they may not want us to get baptized, we still have to find a way to obey the Lord so that we can get baptized and we can enjoy Christ as our full birthright. Well, Ed, we're seeing a principle being established here that's going to even be enlarged as we go a little further. In verse 5, two more females are mentioned, and Solomon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed of Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse. Once again, the Bible records the names of two females with a dark past. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. Rahab is another female. She was typically a genuine harlot. So now, please pay your full attention to these two or three governing principles. Number one, regardless what you wear, sorry to say, you may be so bad as Rahab when she was a harlot. But, number one, she turned to God. This is the number one principle that governs the association with Christ. We all have to turn to God. We all have not to turn to God only, but also to turn to his people. And number two, you got to marry a proper person. And I don't mean the marriage in the physical way. I mean the marriage in a spiritual way. After you turn to God, after you turn to God's people, you need to uh, get yourself, what? Build it up, join together with the proper person. You need to get involved with the proper person. Rehab, after she returned, she married Solomon. After you turn to the Lord and to his people, surely you need to get yourself involved, join with the proper person. This is also a governing principle. Then you have the third governing principle with this person. That is, you should all the time to bring forth the proper fruit. Turn to the Lord. Get yourself involved with the proper person and bring forth the proper fruit. Then you will be fully in the portion of the birthright of Christ. Ed, you told us the story of Tamar last time. I would say the story of Rahab may be even more remarkable, as we've been seeing. 
Tamar seemingly was a harlot, but she was somewhat vindicated, as you said, even Judah's own word. But with Rahab, there's no question. She was fully a sinful person, and yet she's included in the holy record of the genealogy of Christ. Pretty amazing, isn't it? It is amazing, Chris. And and what is also amazing is how this applies to us. We know from the Old Testament that Rahab was a harlot. And when Joshua sent two spies to spy out the city of Jericho before the children of Israel defeated Jericho, Rahab took these spies into her house. Now, what does that mean? That means she turned to God and to God's people. Now, Chris, what this means, you know, some of us who are listening, and I think you and I, we can testify we're in this situation, our origin is poor. We may come from a pit. We may think our background is so pitiful. Our origin is so poor. Well, thank the Lord. Look at Rahab. She was, she was a harlot. She was in the city of Jericho, full of God's enemies. But because she turned to God and God's people, she was ushered into a relationship with Christ. In the same way, Chris, we need to right now, no matter where you are, I would encourage you, turn to the Lord and turn to his people and the Lord will bless you. She also married a man named Salmon. Salmon was one of the spies that Joshua sent into Jericho. He was also a leader among God's people. So this is a principle, Chris. Firstly, we should turn to God and turn to God's people. Then we need to marry someone among God's people. Now, I say marry in the figurative sense, the spiritual sense. What this means is that we need to be joined to, built up with, and involved with a proper person who is loving the Lord, pursuing the Lord, and who is in a pure fellowship with the believers in Christ. This is what we need, Chris. I'm so glad I can be joined to you. I feel you're this kind of person. And we can testify we have some brothers whom you and I are related to, who who are just like this, who keep us loving the Lord, keep us pursuing the Lord. Then the third thing, Chris, when we're joined to such a person, we can bring forth the proper fruit. Eventually, Rahab brought forth, from her marriage with Salmon, she brought forth Boaz, who was a notable ancestor of Christ. Uh, Chris, if, if we take care of these things, we will bring forth the proper fruit to glorify the Lord. And Chris, just to mention, Ruth was also in the same position. She was a Moabite. She had a poor origin, a pitiful background. But because she turned to God and God's people, because she was related to the right person, Boaz, she was able to bring forth a person who could bring forth Christ. Anyway, to me, this is a marvelous principle, Chris, that really applies to us today. There's really no case that's beyond the reach of the Lord Jesus in his mercy and the full effectiveness of his salvation and his redemption, is there? No, Chris, and it shows no matter what our background is, you know, and these these people were Gentile. I mean, you know, Ruth was a Gentile. This shows that Christ is related to typical sinners, even Gentile sinners. And uh, Chris, no matter how bad our background is, we need to repent Turn to the Lord, turn to the Lord's people, and join ourselves to the proper person who is pursuing Christ. Then we will enjoy Christ in a rich way for his purpose. Ed, I would have to say that uh, it's safe to say a number of the people listening to our program today had no idea what is contained in this genealogy. The saga is not through yet. 
Let's go on and see where it leads. And Solomon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed of Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. And David the king begot Solomon of her who had been the wife of Uriah. The story takes another surprising turn. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Now, how about David? This one is the one that was after the heart of God. He was a man after the heart of God. And God himself told Saul that God would give up Saul and God found a man, a man after his heart. And his whole life, nearly, he didn't do anything wrong. But he did one big thing wrong. That was, he murdered a person and took over that person's wife. In one act, he committed two big sins, murder and fornication. Too bad. Even God himself condemned this. And in the Holy Word, it did say that David, in his whole life, was doing things good in the sight of the Lord. But save that one thing. That one thing of Uriah. Uriah was the person that David murdered. David murdered Uriah and took over his wife. And with that wife, he begat Solomon, who built God's temple. But listen. After this, he got rebuked. God sent the prophet Nathan purposely to condemn David. David got condemned. Then what David did? David repented. There is a psalm, Psalm 51, that was written by David after he repented. I like, and so many Christians do like to read the psalm. That is psalm of repentance. A psalm of repentance. And the title, you can see, the title of that psalm says that psalm was written after David being rebuked by the prophet and repented. He repented. And God forgave. There was the repentance and there was the forgiveness. Firstly, man's transgression. And secondly, man's repentance. And thirdly, God's forgiveness. Eventually, you can see from where the building of the temple comes. From man's transgression and repentance plus God's forgiveness. Regardless how much you try your best to do everything that is good in the eyes of the Lord for your whole life, but once something will happen, out of a sudden, you will take over others, you will transgress, and hallelujah, after your transgression, there is a way for you to repent. If you will repent, God will be ready to forgive you. Then a son will come out by the name what? Solomon. This son will be peaceful to you and beloved to the Lord. Hallelujah. 
And this son will be the person that will build up the house of God, today's church. Ed, another incredible story in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus, and this one may be the darkest of all, yet it is directly linked to the building of God's house, his temple. The stories of Tamar and Rahab are maybe not that well-known, Ed, but I think everyone nearly is familiar with David's sin. Yet why would the Lord draw attention to this sin in the genealogy, particularly when it's about to connect with the building of God's temple? It's just incredible. Chris, this is incredible, and it is so meaningful and so helpful to us in our, again, in our pursuit of Christ, our gaining of Christ, and our experience of Christ. David, of course, was a man according to God's heart. God's heart was his heart. And what was in David's heart, the Old Testament tells us, is to build God's temple. We know in typology, today's temple is the church as the body of Christ. This was what was in David's heart. He wanted to see, in New Testament terms, the church built, the body built, the temple built. We need to be these kind of people. But even with such a person, he had a terrible failure. And 1 Kings 15 verse 5 tells us that David did right his whole life except for this one thing. Of course, we know uh, not only did he take Uriah's wife, but he also had Uriah murdered. So he committed adultery and murder is a terrible sin. But Chris, this applies to us because maybe right now you're listening and maybe you feel that you have just made a terrible mistake, you have sinned terribly, and you are just, there's no way for you to come back to the Lord. There's no way for you to be useful to the Lord again. We would just like to say on this broadcast that that is a lie from the devil. Look at David's experience, Chris. He had this terrible failure, but Psalm 51 records his repentance and also records the Lord forgiving him. Now, Chris, this is a wonderful thing here. You have David's transgression and repentance plus God's forgiveness. Now, we could even say that David's transgression plus his repentance married God's forgiveness. Now, what came out of this marriage? An issue came out. Out of this, out of this, you know, David, of course, the wife of Uriah became his wife. And out of their union came Solomon, the builder of God's temple. So what this shows us, Chris, is that no matter how bad we fail, we transgress. When we repent, when we ask the Lord to forgive us, when we give ourselves afresh to him, when we receive his forgiveness, the issue of this is we become a Solomon. We become someone who can be useful to the Lord for the building up of the church, his body. Isn't this wonderful, Chris? I think you and I can testify all of us fail like this. I mean, we don't want to fail, but we fail. But we need to realize 1 John 1, 7 tells us the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. And then verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. If you have transgressed, I would encourage you right now to repent, turn to the Lord, ask him specifically to forgive you of each of your sins, this will cause him to dispense himself into you and make you someone like Solomon who is useful for God's building. Boy, Ed, I love that. When our confession and repentance are married by God's forgiveness, 
The issue can even be the building up of his house. Unbelievable, this life study, Ed. Thank you for being a part of it. You can contact us, a toll-free number we make available. We'd love to get your comments or questions, or you can ask about the material that we have available that accompanies and even enriches these programs. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. Or write to us, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send your email to radio at lsm.org. For Ed Marks today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.